Welcome to the In the Oil Patch radio show, broadcasting from the SR Trident studio. SR Trident, where safety is a culture, not just a word. In the Oil Patch radio show with Kimball Auto is where you will hear the latest in the oil, gas, and energy industry from a wide variety of industry experts, elected officials, and more, right here on In the Oil Patch radio show. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, and today we have a great show. But first, let me tell you about the latest issue of Show Magazine featuring Brian Freed, who is the CEO of Epic Midstream, an amazing company. But you know what? There are also a lot more articles that really talk about what is happening in the energy space right now, energy transition and ESG. Be sure to visit shellmag.com, sign up for a free digital issue of Shell Magazine, and we'll continue to send you every single issue in the future. I'd also like to tell you about our event that's coming up in February 2nd, 2022. It is our annual State of Energy Houston. We have a great lineup. We will be joined by Chairman Wayne Christian of the Texas Railroad Commission, along with an excellent panel of guests, including Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy, Bruce Bullenweider, who is Vice President of Argus Media, and, and Phil Anderson, who is Senior Vice President for Enbridge. It's an event you don't want to miss. It will be a sold out event. So if you want to get tickets for this event or sponsor it, please be sure to visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-E-G.com. Remember the date is February 2nd, 2022. And now it's time for me to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's been a beautiful Christmas in the oil patch. It sure has. And there is a lot to discuss because there's a lot going on with COVID, uh, flights being canceled, oil <laughs> prices going up, investments are going up in the energy yeah. sector. So let's get started with oil prices. They have shot back up again this year as it comes to a close, meaning that gasoline prices will quickly follow suit as well. So what can yeah. the consumer expect for gasoline prices for next year? Is this more of the same or it's going up a few pennies and dropping a few pennies? Or are we looking for large swings? Yeah, I, you know, I think it. Uh, we can expect a year in 2022, a lot like 2021 with the, the, the general trend over the full year is going to be higher and higher uh, energy prices. Uh, for both oil, natural gas, and gasoline. Um, but, you know, there will be ups and downs uh, as we go, for example, into and out of the summer driving season. You know, when you start the summer, the prices always tend to go up because demand is going up so quickly. And you get to September after Labor Day, and prices tend to go down a little bit because uh, demand falls. But overall, um, we're going to be in a very tight supply and demand situation for crude oil globally, just like we were in 2021. And so I just think, uh, whereas we're sitting here with, say, West Texas Intermediate prices at around $75 as we close the year, just pretty much exactly where we predicted they would be back in February when we talked about it. Um you know, I think we can anticipate at the end of next year for, for oil prices to be more along the lines of 85 to $90, just because uh, supply is going to continue to be tight, demand is going to continue to increase, and, and it's just the general supply and demand picture globally. And uh, 
So, you know, buckle up and, uh, you know, sadly, I have to tell you, you probably need to budget more money for gasoline during 2022. Well, and we all kind of knew that this was coming because the Biden administration on day one signed the canceling of the Keystone Pipeline, mm-hmm. mean, leading to all kinds of unintended consequences. So they say, I kind of believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they're unintended, but they are exactly. consequences. <laughs> so, so staying on that, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, God bless his soul, put the final nail in the coffin for the Biden's Build Back Better, which it's not Build Back Better. Um, right before Christmas, which means that more than half a trillion dollars of Green New Deal subsidies and taxes on oil and gas died with it. Do you think that the Democrats are going to try this again in 2022? But also, please explain, it seems like a lot of times when you and I talk about these things that we are anti-green and we are anti- moving forward with the environment and, you know, trying to do things in a more environmentally friendly way. But this is not the truth at all. This is not what's happening in this Build Back Better bill. Please. Right. No, I don't think we're, we're anti-green at all. Uh, what we're anti is government interfering in the marketplace in, in such a massive way. Um, you know, this bill had crazy stuff in it, crazy funding for you know, it was going to create this core of thousands of young people called the what the green energy core, which you know, people going around the country to brainwash people. Um, I mean, just it, it was going to fund the salaries of journalists at liberal media outlets around the country. Now think about that. There That's was a pre- billions of dollars in this bill to pay journalists by the federal government. Well, what could go wrong? What could go wrong with that? Right. I that mean, means that those that they're no longer journalists. They're right. propaganda folks. Period. Yeah. Yeah, and, and half a tr- right, and half a trillion dollars in subsidies for for wind and solar and electric vehicles. And you know, I mean, wind power is great. Solar power is great. It has to be managed properly. Uh, you have to realize you can't rely on it for baseload power, but as a boutique kind of energy source, I mean, and that's what it is. And as long as you recognize that and manage it in that manner, it's all good. And we need more and more of it as we, you know, go through time and electric vehicles, man, I, I love Tesla's. They're beautiful cars. If you've ever driven one, it's, it's a phenomenal experience. Um, as for the other part of the question, you know, uh, yes, I think the Democrats will try to do it all over again in 2022. Chuck Schumer has already promised he's going to bring the bill back up uh, in January when they reconvene. But there aren't the votes there for that full bill. They just aren't. Uh, And what they'll do is they'll take a vote on the full bill. It'll fail. And then they'll start bringing the various provisions in it back again as standalone pieces of legislation. Um, So it's going to be a very busy year for our friends at the Texas Energy Alliance. You know, have been lobbying on all of that uh, throughout 2021. And uh, you know, it's just going to be a, a really difficult year politically for everybody. And uh, we'll just just have to, to hope uh, cooler heads can prevail. Well, you know, David, the whole reason why we wanted to start the show was to help, you know, the community, people like you and I understand more of what's happening behind the scenes when we talk about energy. Because we know that the same journalists that you were talking about in this 
Build Back Better bill, we're going to be paying them to continue to just <laughs> parrot what they wanted them to say. And right. that is not a journalist at all. That is a propaganda machine. That's a propaganda that, machine. Exactly. Right. And I want the American people who's listening to understand that this is what we're dealing with and this is not the way it's supposed to be. So, David, that being said, we now, as soon as this bill is dead, they almost were ready for House Bill 4, which was mm-hmm. would, which basically, I want you to talk about that, would undo our elections forever. And I think that what I'm trying to, to get our listeners to understand is all of this is very methodical. If you don't like to endure the higher cost at the grocery store and at the pump and all of these infrastructure problems that we're seeing and all of these COVID problems and now airlines are being canceled uh, in the midst of Christmas, all of these things coming together are actually being done. This is the new America if we continue to allow what's happening to happen. So explain what House Bill 4 because people need to start getting involved elections and they need to understand that there is a party that is after power and control and nothing more and this yeah, is it, that, that bill yeah that bill would uh, basically have the federal government take over the running of elections which has always been a state level uh enterprise in the united states it's how the constitution is structured wasn't it the federal government who was also going after parents when they were speaking up talking about critical thinking theory at board meetings that they sure, were at school board meetings yeah okay yeah so and that's still happening okay, right so this, and, yeah this is the same agency that's going to take over federal elections or elections in our country and and we're okay with with that as well and you know the whole point is that elections do have consequences they and, certainly do and um, if we um, pay attention, um, listen, and want to learn, I think this is where ch- real change can begin in the energy sector. Last question, 2021, what was the biggest single most important development this year in the energy sector to you? Oh, uh, well, I think obviously Senator Manchin killing the big back, Build Back Better bill uh, would have to be one of them, certainly. But I, I, I think the other really big one was the general realization uh, among all the experts that that uh, we've got a real problem where these critical minerals is concerned, the supply of them, right. and, and that we're not going to be able to increase production uh, the way they would need to be uh, created for inter- uh, electric vehicles to take over the transportation sector. And, and I think there's a growing agreement we're going to have to have a different approach there going forward. So that was a huge development, didn't get a lot of attention, but I think you're going to see more and more news about that during 2022. Well, David, that is all the time we have for this segment, but when we come back from break, we will be joined by David Rendell, recent author of a book called Vision and Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroads. You're listening to In the Wall Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project 
and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. You're listening to In the All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and I'm here today with David Rundell, our special guest. David has a new book titled The Vision or Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroads. He is the former chief of mission at the American Saudi Embassy in Riyadh. David, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to, to give you a chance to, you know, talk about yourself a little bit, give us some background and in, uh, about your, you and your years in the Foreign Service and uh, the time you spent in Saudi Arabia. I spent uh, 30 years as an American diplomat. I spent half of that time in Saudi Arabia, which is very unusual. Most people yeah. go from one place to another to another. I was designated to be the guy who knew about Saudi Arabia. And so I spent half my time in Saudi Arabia. When I was in Washington, I spent uh, my time working on Saudi issues. And I had many jobs in the embassy, ranging from the most junior political guy to the chief of mission over a period of about over a period of 30 years. I mean, I started, uh, you know, as a very junior person, and I ended up as the most senior person. But uh, in between, uh, I worked in the political and the economic, uh, the commercial section. So I did a lot of different stuff there. Wow. And so I you were like our... The, I also say I, that there, we, we have three offices in Saudi Arabia, Jeddah, Dhafran, and Riyadh, and I worked in all three of those at one time or another. Wow. So, so it's I mean... Unique, it's, a unique, it's a unique background. Yeah, yeah. You were like our country's, you know, foremost expert on Saudi Arabia, which is uh, an extremely complex topic. I think that's, uh, it, that's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. So in your new book, Vision or Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroad, you talk about the kingdom's efforts to transition from the world's largest petro state, which is it has been for half a century now, to a more modern and diverse economy and society. What are, what are some of the drivers uh, beyond, behind this transition that they're pursuing? Well, Saudi Arabia, as you pointed out, is and has been uh, overly dependent upon unpredictable uh, oil exports and oil revenues uh, and the 
emphasis of the program is to diversify the economy away from oil, to find sources of revenue and sources of employment, uh, new, new ones, and in particular to find ways to balance their budget and to create jobs for Saudis. Uh, so that's the goal of the plan in a, in a nutshell, uh, to say it again, to balance the budget and to find jobs and to diversify the economy. Um, yeah. the, Second question that you ask is, you know, how, sex, how successful is this going to be? And the answer is they do not have to turn Saudi Arabia into South Korea. And they are not going to do that. And they are not really <laughs> trying to do that. What they're trying to do, and Saudi Arabia will remain dependent on oil exports for a long time and perhaps forever, but the degree of dependence can be reduced. And that's all they're really trying to do is to make the system, and they have a very extensive welfare state there, and they're trying, right. to, make that, they're trying to make that more sustainable. They're not trying to make it go away, they're just trying to make it more sustainable. And yeah, I think they can probably achieve that. Right, and when you, when you talk about that aspect of it, you know, uh, and balancing their budget. They, they've had a real problem with that over the past half decade or so, correct? I mean, haven't they really had to withdraw uh, quite a lot, uh, draw down quite a lot of the sovereign wealth fund in order to, to finance that uh, kind of deficit spending that we would call it here in the United States? Between 1980 and 2000, they ran a deficit continuously. That's for 20 years. Wow. Uh, Everyone thinks the Saudis are, you know, super wealthy and they have this limitless amount of money. They, that's just not the case. They were, they, as I said, for 20 years, they ran a deficit. They accumulated a huge debt during that period. They ran out of money. They borrowed money. They were, they were at a hundred percent of GDP in debt. Wow, that's a big that's a big number. I mean, I don't you know for the people that aren't bankers and don't think about that. When you get a hundred percent of your of your GDP debt, you're in serious trouble. And yellow lights and maybe even red lights start blinking. Right. Um, that was in two thousand. Well, two thousand uh, uh, things began to pick up in the oil business, largely because of demand from China. And for the next you know really fifteen years, uh, they started running surpluses. Now, they're, they don't have a Congress uh, <laughs> right. full, of full of politicians who want to spend the money as fast as they can get it. Uh, they got a king who really practiced what we would call counter-cyclical economics, which you can read about in your textbooks extremely well. So King Abdullah said, right, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pay off our debt. And he did as he began to get, but and so they got their debt down to three percent, which is actually wow. too low. I mean, it was yeah, crazy. that is. They paid off all their. The bankers started screaming because they weren't um, selling government bonds anymore. Government, you know, banks like to get bonds. Hey, and hey, David, I'm going to have to interrupt for just a second. We're going to have to sure. take a hard break here, 
But but yep, we're going to no get problem. back on to this when we come back from, from the break. You're listening to In the All Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. State of Energy 2022 is coming to the Houston Club in downtown Houston on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, starting at 11.30 a.m. The keynote speaker will be the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Wayne Christian, and will feature moderator Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, along with panelists Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Phil Anderson, Senior VP of Liquid Pipelines Enbridge, and Bruce Fullen, Vice President of Argus Media. For tickets for State of Energy's luncheon in Houston on February the 2nd, 2022, go to shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. That's shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman. Here with special guest David Rundell, the author of Vision or Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroads. And David, as we as we went into our break, we were talking about, um, or you were talking about, uh, the Saudi Arabia's efforts to, to balance its budget and, and kind of giving a fascinating history of how the kingdom has gone back and forth between uh, budget deficit and, and, and then, you know, into a situation where they didn't have enough debt. And so now I want to let you go ahead and finish that answer because I think it's really important part of this. So, as I say, when in 2000, they were broke, oil prices began to go up. The first thing the king did was pay off his debt. And you have to remember that a lot of people were saying, you've got a lot of money now, king, start spending it, start building this, giving out programs here and there. And he said, no, he said, first, I'm paying off all my debt. And then I'm going to build up a big reserve. And he did. He built up a big reserve. And then he started spending money. So when in 2015, the oil price really began, 14, it began to go down again. And they began to run a big deficit. He had, and he died. The, the old king died in 2015. Right. But his brother, who became the new king, he inherited a pretty good deal. He, he did not inherit a country that was broke. He inherited a country with little debt and a lot of money in the bank. So he was okay for a few years, but he also, I think, was a prudent steward of the government there. And he said, you know, we're running down our, our reserves. And they did. They were running them down at a rate that would be unsustainable for more than, you know, maybe five or six right. years. Right. So he said, we need a plan. And um, he said, I'm not counting on oil prices turning around. We need a plan to diversify the economy. And what he really said is we need a plan to cut our spending and increase our revenues. 
And so he did something truly uh, unheard of in Saudi Arabia is he said, you people are going to have to start paying taxes. And people said, really? Wow. Like we never paid any taxes before. Like how come we got to pay taxes now? So he put a sales tax on everything. And then he also said, and by the way, there's not going to be any more free gasoline and free water and free electricity. And they weren't totally free, but they were essentially free, especially right. water. And uh, he said, you're going to have to start paying a fair price. Uh, not, it's not actually, he said, I'm still not going to charge you the full price, but I'm going to make you pay a little bit more than you've been paying. And in fact, quite a lot more than you've been paying since you were paying nothing. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so he did, and he's and he's done those things, and then oil prices have come back up. So, you know, his plan was to get the budget balanced by 2000 and 2023 was the goal, and it looks like he's going to make it in 2022. And again, Fantastic. he he wasn't helped by COVID either, because you know he things were looking okay, but then COVID came along, and that set everybody's economy back. But he's making progress now. So. Uh you know, when we talk about this transition and how they're diversifying things, you know, what can you give us some examples of the kinds of things uh, the government there is working on, you know, to move away from oil and, and become a more well, diverse? Sure. The first one is the first one is petrochemicals. The first one is petrochemicals, which in a sense is hydrocarbon based, uh, but they are moving downstream in that not just from commodity chemicals, which is where they started, but now they're moving into more sophisticated things. They bought GE plastics, particularly yeah. for that purpose. Right. Uh, so they're trying to develop their ability to produce specialty petrochemicals. And then the next step is to find things that you can make from those chemicals and start producing those in the country. So in a sense, that's still related to hydrocarbons, but that's what they're doing. They're also... Um, moving that they're expanding their refining capacity. Okay, that's still hydrocarbons. Then they, they have quite a lot of uh, minerals, which they are now beginning to mine. Uh, and oh. they make mainly bauxite, which they are making aluminum and uh, phosphate from which they're gonna make fertilizer. And they, uh, the, the bauxite and the phosphate needed a railroad basically to get them from where they were to where they could use them. And they built that railroad and it's operating now. And so they're becoming a, an aluminum producer uh, based on the fact that they have cheap energy. You need a lot of energy to smelt aluminum, yeah. uh, cheap energy, and uh, they have gas. And so they're, they're using that to, to smelt their aluminum and to roll it and to produce things. And again, that's going to be a, hopefully downstream, they'll be able to use the aluminum they make. And then- um, Hey, uh, before, you, before you go into to, to more, I'm, I'm afraid we're up against another break. So- No problem. Uh, you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. 
I'm David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine, with our special guest today, David Rundell, the author, author of Vision and Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroads. David, uh, when we when we took our like last break, you were you were talking about some of the things and an incredible array of things the kingdom's doing to diversify its economy. And I wanted to to get you uh, to finish that answer. I know you were about to talk about fertilizers. Yeah, it's just that with the with the um, you know, I'm I can't remember all the chemicals you need to make a good fertilizer, but right. they have all of them. You need sulfur, and you need ammonia, and you need the phosphate, and right. they've got all of those either from their petrochemical plants or their refineries. So they have they happen to have a sweet spot in um in fertilizer. And that's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. So they can become a major fertilizer producer for the world. So these are some of the things. Now, another thing that they're trying to do is, uh, this is kind of interesting. They have um, a monopoly on religious pilgrimages for Muslims. Oh, right. you know, yeah. A quarter of the people in the world are Muslims. Uh, in theory, they all have to go to Mecca once in their life. Right. So this is a lot of people come into Mecca, and they have um, expanded that capacity and are expanding it dramatically uh, for all these people to come uh, to, to visit uh, Mecca. And so that's a huge amount of people, and it's a big, it, I don't, you might not want to call it tourism, I refer to it as religious tourism, Right. Uh, yeah. but these people are coming on for pilgrimage. Now, they're also trying to build a high-end tourism uh, to people that want to go and do um, more luxurious, I guess you would call it, and non-religious tourism. And then they're, what else are they doing? They're trying to develop, developing IT and biotech. I think a lot of people are trying to do that, but they do, sure. have, a, they do have a big research institute there, a very, actually a very impressive one called the King Abdullah University for Science and Technology, which is very focused on developing technologies that are relevant to Saudi Arabia. And what do I mean by that? They want to do things on solar energy and they have a big program for solar energy and also for wind. They have more solar than they, they have a few places where they have enough wind, but they have a lot of places where they have enough sun. Yeah. And they have, um, so they have, they're into renewable energy uh, and they're also into um, desert agriculture. And finally, they are doing research on uh, clean, clean combustion. They would like to figure out a way to, you know, continue to use uh, uh, internal combustion engines sure. uh, much more cleaner than they are. So they're working on those various projects. Fantastic. Hey, before we go any further, I want to give you a chance to tell everyone where they can find your book. Well, the best place to find the book, I think, is either on Amazon.com or uh, the Bloomsbury. It's published by Bloomsbury in London and they're oh. also in America. So Bloomsbury uh, has it and they can get it to you. Uh, and Amazon, I think Amazon is running out of it. Last time I looked, they, they, I mean, they have it, but they're, they, you can't get it tomorrow from them. Uh, I don't know how quickly you can get it from, uh, from Bloomsbury, probably a little quicker. But in any event, those are the two best places to get it, Bloomsbury Great. and Amazon. Great. Do you have a website of your own? Well, my company has a website uh, okay. that uh, my consulting firm is Arabia Analytica. They, uh, they have a website, uh, but there's not a specific website for the book. No, okay. the book's okay. mentioned on the corporate website. Well, I just want to be sure we get a plug-in uh, Make sure everything. you tell everybody about it. <laughs> I appreciate that. But the, 
I mean, if you really want to, if you want to read the reviews of the book and learn about the book, I would suggest you go to Amazon because yeah. most of the, it's been reviewed very favorably by many newspapers and well-informed people. I mean, General Petraeus, Henry Kissinger, a lot of people right. wrote nice things about the book. And uh, you can read all that and newspaper reviews as well on, online if you want. Well, let's, let's move on and talk about, um, gosh, where do I want to go next with this? So you had a front row seat really for a long time uh, to the complex relationship between the United States and the kingdom. And, you know, for us here in, in America, it's always hard for us, I think, and, and for many Americans to, to understand whether the United States and Saudi Arabia are allies or adversaries almost at any given time. You know, it's just such a complex thing. Talk about your views of the nature of the relationship between our countries. Yeah, I think that that reflects a large knowledge gap. And this exists both in Saudi Arabia and in the United States, yeah. where the general population is largely unaware of the very extensive long-term cooperation that has existed between our two countries for 70 years. We have no better uh, ally in the Arab world than the Saudis, and they have been a constant ally since World War II, when they actually declared war on Germany, if you can believe that. Yeah. And where we um, had Lend-Lease with them, where we built air bases in Saudi Arabia during World War II. Uh, and all of the other countries in the region, major countries, uh, Iraq, Syria, Egypt, at one point or other in the Cold War, they were all friends of the Soviet Union. The Saudis never were. And part of that was because they are very religious and they saw the communists for what they were, which is atheists, and they opposed that. Uh, the Saudis are not powerful in any way except their control of oil and their control of a checkbook. They don't have a big army. But when we needed help from them, either with regards to oil or funding, they have come forth numerous times and i'll just give you some examples of that very quickly hey before uh, you do before you do we're, we're up against the break again so okay. let's let's go ahead and take the break and then then we'll get back into that when we come back you're uh, listening right. to in the all patch radio show and we'll be right back sr trident is a veteran owned and operated industrial construction company established in 2012 by co-founder stephen snyder and ryan berthold SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 
776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. State of Energy 2022 is coming to the Houston Club in downtown Houston on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, starting at 11.30 a.m. The keynote speaker will be the chairman of the Texas Railroad Commission, Wayne Christian, and will feature moderator Sean Strawbridge, CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi, along with panelist Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy Partners, Phil Anderson, Senior VP of Liquid Pipelines Enbridge, and Bruce Fullen, Vice President of Argus Media. For tickets for State of Energy's luncheon in Houston on February the 2nd, 2022, go to shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. That's shalemag.ticketleap.com backslash state of energy. Welcome back to In the All Patch Radio Show. I'm David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and our special guest today is David Rundell, the author of Visioner or Mirage, Saudi Arabia at the Crossroads. David, when we took our last break, you were you were right in the middle, and I, I, I hate it that I have to interrupt people uh, in the middle of their answers, but you were talking about, uh, you know, explaining the, the complexities of the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia. And I wanted to give you a chance to finish that before we go on to another question. Uh, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be quick here. The, the two things that the Saudis can help us with are financing and oil. And I was giving an example of where they help us with financing. Right. We decided that it was uh, we needed to take on the, to deter or to attack the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan by helping the Mujahideen and who were fighting the Soviet army that invaded Afghanistan. They invaded in 1979. For the next 10 years, the CIA helped in cooperation with Pakistan, helped the Mujahideen eventually drive the Soviets out. Um, The Saudis matched, they had a matching fund and the king said, for every dollar you spend, I'll spend a dollar. And he did. And he spent billions of dollars helping, basically paying. He didn't do most of the work, to be honest. Most of the work was done by the CIA, but he sent money quite literally to accounts that were controlled by the CIA, which they used to buy the stuff for the Mujahideen. Uh, Then later on, again, um, President Reagan said, we have some communists in Nicaragua and I'm trying to stop them and the Congress doesn't want to give me any money. And the king said, I don't even know where Nicaragua is. But um, <laughs> if you need some money, Ron, uh, here you go. So yeah. he sent money there. And so, you know, they have, this is what they can do. And, and those are just two examples. I mean, there were many other examples of where we have asked them to help fund some project that they were able to help us with. The second question is oil. And that's probably <laughs> the most relevant one to your listeners. The Saudis have large reserves of very low cost oil. They want oil to remain part of the energy mix for a long time. They are not trying to make as much money as fast as they can, like many of the members of OPEC who have more limited reserves. Therefore, they want oil prices to remain accessible, reasonably stable, and affordable for the planet. They do not want to drive the world into a recession with super high oil prices. They saw what happened in 79. They saw what happened to some extent in 73. 
And they don't, they don't need that to happen again because that kills demand for their big product. They also don't like particularly volatile prices because both high and volatile prices lead people to A, go buy a Tesla, start drilling for oil in Alaska or the North Sea, uh, put the third layer of insulation on their window and the solar panel on their roof. All of those things the Saudis don't want. So their interests and those of American oil producers are really, if you look at it in the long term, are aligned. And that's really, I mean, when you talk about that, that exact dynamic right there, it, it, that's really what the whole project with the OPEC plus group has been all about, right? And it's been extraordinarily successful now for what, three and a half years, almost four years? That's a big achievement of the current king and his son. Yeah. Yes, they, they expanded OPEC to include uh, Russia. Yeah, and yeah. So what they do, just to be quick, I know we're running out of time, but I'll be quick. You know, how the Saudis do this is they maintain a surplus capacity. It costs them billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars to drill wells and then to shut them in. They keep, your, 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 your listeners understand, two million barrels a day is a lot of oil. And they just keep that shut in. Uh, you know, Exxon isn't going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and so... But this gives them an ability to turn on and turn off the tap when it's needed. And it may be, need when is it needed? It's needed when Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait and takes them off the line. It's needed when there's a, when hurricane comes to the Gulf of Mexico and shuts that all down for a while. Right. And it's also needed, and people forget about this, it's also needed when the United States says, you know what, we're gonna put a sanction on Iran. We're gonna stop Iranian oil exports. Oh, and, but we don't want oil prices to go through the roof when we take 2 million barrels of Iranian oil off the market. How are we gonna, what are we gonna do about that? I know, we'll call the Saudis. So, and that's exactly what we did. So um, they, are, they play a very helpful role in balancing oil markets. They're, they're not a charity. They're not doing this because uh, they like us. They are, the king is not the king of America. He's the king of Saudi Arabia and he's trying to take care of his countries, but our interests are aligned yeah. in many, many respects. And that's why um, they've been our friend for a long time. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we ally. saw uh, President Trump, of course, uh, did an awful lot of work, I think, uh, to try to strengthen that relationship with Saudi Arabia and really, really leverage off of it. I, have you seen a difference? Uh, you know, I mean, I know President Biden has, in recent months, uh, made a lot of public calls for OPEC plus in Saudi Arabia to increase production to try to lower prices. But has there been, I mean, are you, in your view, have you seen a, a significant shift in the relationship with the new administration? Well, President Biden has been very uh, critical and very harsh on the Saudis. He's, I would say, insulted them. Uh, yeah. He's called them, called them a pariah. Uh, these are not things you really generally do with a country that's been friendly to you. Yeah. Uh, Strange way and, to treat an ally. And, and, yeah. and, and it has caused the Saudis to rethink, yes. I mean, they, I don't think you would, you know, you, and you would, the departure from Afghanistan uh, did not encourage them to think that we were particularly a reliable friend. Uh, and to be Perfectly frank, uh, the um, the O'Biden administration, which is in many ways a continuation of the Obama administration, right? Um, they were not friendly to the Saudis either, and the Saudis were not impressed. 
and again, you can have different views on this. I'm just I'm giving you the view of the Saudis. They were not impressed by our abandonment of uh, Hosni Mubarak, the president of Egypt, who had been a friend of ours for 30 years and had many times right. done things that we asked him to do. And we more or less, I think it's fair to say, threw him under the bus pretty quickly. No um, question. So they look at the, the track record of Obama and of Biden, and they have some questions about the reliability of the United States. They also look at the um, antagonism which the current administration has towards hydrocarbons in general. Now, all of that said- David, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid we are coming to the end of our time, unfortunately. I, I, gosh, I wish we had a three hour show to talk about all of this, but I want to give you one last chance to tell everyone where they can find your book. Well, I would say you can find the book on Amazon. Um, and I would also say that to some extent, President Biden's bark has been uh, worse than his bite in that he hasn't really done a lot to damage the relationship other than his talking and his actions toward other countries. And I think ultimately the relationship is going to survive. And because it's in both countries' interests. Perfect. Thank you so much for being with us today, David. This has been a, a fantastic uh, interview. And, and like I say, I wish we could go on for another two hours. This is David Blackman. Thank you for listening to In the Oil Patch radio show today. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.